What does it take for you to figure out a solution? Does it take a personal event, a tragedy, or seeing your family going through something to become an innovator? And when you do become an innovator, how do you take that idea into a minimal viable product or services that can then generate revenue months after month? Stay tuned as we interview founder of Picture Health on how she's able since the launch of her telemedicine and dermatology practices able to consistently partner up with multiple states over the span of only five months to have clinics in five different states and doubling their revenue month after month. Welcome to Provider's Edge, the podcast that helps healthcare entrepreneurs and innovators break down barriers and control their business, life, and future with valuable action steps. With me, your host, Sabrina Rombach, a recovered clinician and a business deal catalyst. Let's rewrite the rules and create a positive social impact while increasing your profitability. Welcome back to another episode. This is your host, Sabrina. And today we have Ms. Susan uh, Conover here with us. And she is the co-founder and the CEO of Pictchen Health. She trained as a mechanical engineering at the University of Texas, Austin, and worked in management consulting at Olive uh, Whiteman before returning to school for two master degrees at MIT and Singapore University of Technology and Design focused on product development. She was diagnosed with melanoma three years ago, which sparks her passion for ensuring every person with a skin issue gets the right care at the right time. And I think many healthcare founders have that personalized story because we are problem solvers. We're change makers. And for someone who will be able to see a problem, experience yourself or not, and stepping up to say, I'm going to fix this, that's bravery. And that's something to celebrate for. And thank you so much, Susan, for joining us. Absolutely. Very excited to be here. I just uh, love everybody to tell us, dive into your story a bit, multiple accolades, multiple things that uh, has put you on the path of success in very different ventures. To what point that you feel like, oh, you know, these are the additional masters or higher education I need. And then to say, I'm going to transfer all the skill sets, the talents, your geniuses to this new venture that you're building. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned that I'm sort of trained as an engineer and I worked in management consulting. I think I I fell in love with product development in my last year of undergrad. And so I was really looking to do product development again and apply that work. It's very different to be advising other people to do stuff versus, you know, building it yourself. And so I did my master's at MIT and I think you can say caught the bug uh, of both understanding like what's something that I care enough about and I'm excited enough about to you know spend a lot of time on it and figure it out and be able to help people. But then also just like getting into MIT honestly just helped me with the confidence to be able to say like, oh, I could actually start a company. I could actually go in this direction. And I don't know if I would have had that confidence before. But so yeah, and, and it's been 
incredibly sort of wonderful to be able to have that training ground and be able to take classes on entrepreneurship and that sort of thing in in a school setting and then be able to apply it outside of of school. Um, People use uh, graduate degrees or MBAs in order to, they can want to make a career change. And so I guess I, I fall into that camp of, was just like, Hey, let's, let's try this and do this thing and, and figure it out on the, on the road. But yeah, um, I was first diagnosed with melanoma when I was 22 and I tried to see a dermatologist and was told it would take at least three months to get in. And so I went to my PCP, but I was diagnosed with stage two melanoma. And so I, um, it was a scary experience. I'm lucky to be alive. Frankly, if I had waited, I don't know what would have happened. Uh, But that was, you know, just a glimpse into sort of how the healthcare system works. And so I spent my thesis at MIT on it, went really deep and learned, oh, there's a lot of uh, room for improvement. And there's like a, a big difference between where patients are at and like what care they want. And what care is delivered and there's a mismatch in supply and demand in dermatology of four times. And so realized that there was an opportunity. And then we've, you know, been really lucky that AI has evolved in such a way to be able to assist virtual care. Virtual care isn't a crazy idea anymore because of the pandemic. Many more people are getting that care. Um, and so it's it's also a confluence of lots of different things happening at this moment to make it a good fit for our virtual first care model. Which is great. I have similar experience in terms of when you need care, even people like myself who are providers when I need to see a, another provider, it's also weeks and months of wait. I was, uh, I'm out of town. I needed to see someone for a new patient, established new patient relationship. Usually that got pushed out way, way out, right? And that's the challenge is when you know the issue is more urgent, then your only choice is go to the ER or urgent care. But if you don't even understand what's the capacity of that urgent care or ER, you can end up going there, having a big build. They still could not help you. They still have to transfer you on going somewhere else. So when we start reformatting uh, technology in medicine, it's definitely a big lever for us to tap into for getting just a consultation part, right? And I believe from the patient standpoint, or when we are a patient, the biggest fear is I don't really know what's going on. I know something is not right, but how do I get that confirmation? And it's exciting for you to be in this space um, as uh, policies are changing to benefit for a digital health space and be able to leverage all these newer AI technologies coming about. So when you start developing this new product that you're working on right now and you have this personal story, what was the immediate gap that you saw? And then to put yourself in a specific person and specific product that can help position yourself into a authority in that space. Yeah, absolutely. So the immediate gap I saw was, oh, I have a, a skin problem and I, I don't know how to get care. And I can try to call 10 clinics and they'll all tell me, oh, I'm seeing patients in September and um, I can go to my PCP, but the data shows that they misdiagnose half of skin cases. And so like, will you even get 
the result that helps you get better by doing that avenue. And so I think there's just um, certainly a demand. And when you have a problem, you have a problem, right? You know, <laughs> don't want to be told, oh, just see if it resolves in the next four months. Um, you you, you want to get that reassurance. You want to get that expert care. And so I think we just realized that there's many more like faster ways to use smartphones to have dermatologists review cases within uh, 48 hours asynchronously so they can sort of batch them together and then do counseling with nurse practitioners to answer any questions patients have and have that like one-on-one discussion time. Um, And so I think we just really realize, okay, here's the problem, here's the gap, and here are the different ways we can slice it up to make sure everyone's sort of getting what they need in the overall experience. So that's something we sort of pride ourselves on is is making it a great experience for patients, and that's always going to be number one. But also making sure it's a wonderful experience for dermatologists too, which a lot of them have switched back to fully in-person care because they have everything optimized and have, don't have to worry about the other stuff. And it, that's not as straightforward when you're we're doing a virtual or virtual first model. So really bringing in that technology and bringing in that AI and other automation capabilities to enable them to focus on what they really want to focus on, right? Which is great patient care, not entering numbers into Forbes, <laughs> you know? Right. I always talk about the concept of when you're at the level to scale, to actually making bigger impact we have to only stay in our genius zone and to then become someone who has a capacity to grow. If we're constantly doing everything else, or one of my friends calls it the executive everything instead of the true executive officer of your company, of your organization, <laughs> then it's very daunting to be in those positions and to feel like you're pulling your heart out since nothing is moving as fast as you want to. It's that tap into leveraging the right people to solve that. And as you mentioned, Susan, providers wanted to do is just seeing the patient part. And yeah, some people, perhaps they're more drawn to the pathology part of dermatology. And all they wanted to do is evaluating cases instead of having a lot of patient education. So we can help to reformat and reallocate people who like to have certain type of interaction or activities. And so elaborate on that for us, for your platform. How are you guys uh, building this up? What's that user experience um, like from the patient side? And then tell us how is uh, that like from the provider side? Absolutely. So from the patient's experience side and just as a general summary is what we're doing is we're we've created a virtual first general dermatology practice and the only one um, that's really making this care scalable which I think is a a sort of important differentiator Um, but from the patient's perspective how the process works is they go to our website on their phone answer a few questions. It'll take less than five minutes. And then once they click submit, we have our dermatologist within two days review their hair, skin, or nail issue, determine diagnosis and treatment plan, and answer any questions or ask any questions if that's necessary beyond what they've already addressed. Um, And then we have a nurse practitioner do a Zoom call basically with the patient to go through any diagnosis questions, any treatment questions they have. And then from there, uh, call in prescriptions to a local pharmacy. At least two thirds of 
skin cases can be managed fully remotely, but there are still some cases that do need in-person care. So one of the sort of other differentiators from the clinical side is we make sure patients get in quickly with our local partners in their area if they do need that in-person care for a thing like a biopsy or allergy test, something like that but really sort of solving the end-to-end problem for the patient. So the patient only needs to go to one place and can manage that issue in a a matter of days rather than a matter of months or even longer. Um, And then from the provider experience, we've really designed it to fit around a clinical model. So they can still go into do if they're a most surgeon, regular care or, you know, clinical derm care, because a lot of dermatologists do like that human to human connection and counseling, but then being able to fit in mornings or evenings or on weekends or whatever works for their schedule, those asynchronous consults to be able to sort of extend their ability to manage many more patients than they could otherwise. Right. It's all about leveraging your technology to shorter the distance and time gap to reach the patient that needed the most. Because anytime we are unsure about something, that fear turns into something completely negative for all aspects of life and can really drive people crazy sometimes. And, and we see that throughout, right? The, the personal side going to affect how you perform at work. That can be how you perform uh, perhaps with an individual team member versus a client. So life is all interchangeable and it's really building onto each other. So having the accessibility of the very first virtual dermatology clinic is such an amazing thing that you guys are able to offer. And then from what you were saying is um, you guys open it back in December, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. And then you're in multiple states now, New Hampshire, Connecticut, and Florida, anywhere else? Massachusetts as well. Oh, yeah, yes, so we, because the MIT. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we opened our first clinic in late December in New Hampshire, then Connecticut in January, uh, Massachusetts a month or two ago, and then just Florida a few weeks ago. And we're pretty set on those states. We're not going to keep expanding like gangbusters. (laughs) You know, there are lots of things we want to sort of build out and prove in our clinical model and then be able to expand into other states with more value-based care contracts once we show, right? We improve outcomes with our model. We reduce costs, we improve access to care. And so that's really the trajectory we're going on because we, I mean, based on our model, we think we can reduce costs by about 50%, which can also make a a big impact on many different patients' lives. And so, yeah, I mean, there's there's also potentially a, a Medicaid strategy where patients who are on Medicaid, frankly, have a really, really hard time slash can't get in to see dermatologists. And so being able to use our sort of new model to make care available to patient populations that previously just can't even hope to get that care um, is, is one of the different areas we hope we can impact with this like new configuration. Right. Especially if you tap into chronic disease management, those type of models, elderlies, um, and uh, a state-level Medicaid for sure. And I wanted you to go back when you were saying cutting down cost in what way? Uh, I can see how patients, instead of making multiple phone calls, getting to the right people, that's a lot of time costs and money insurance costs too. And then so what type of costs can we help to reduce? Yeah. So 
One of the coolest things we can do with our platform is we can actually be able to track patient outcomes, which right now is really only done in clinical trials that are incredibly, you know, expensive, time consuming for a lot of different people. And so being able to say this patient with this information was and this condition was able to respond to this treatment, we can be able to match treatments with the right patient at the right time using AI. We can do a lot of different uh, things that are like lower touch, including a lot of chronic care management, right? To be able to manage uh, cases in, of psoriasis and eczema remotely and be able to titrate, say, oh, this patient's getting worse or they're staying the same. So we escalate that to the dermatologist when they sort of need to be involved. We can just be a lot more effective in our, our staffing strategy and also just, you know, amount of time per Per case, if you can substantially reduce that for a dermatologist, then you can sort of manage costs in a more effective way. Yeah, which I think that will lead into the next thing I'm curious about, because let's say uh, I'm a, a provider who's uh, a dermatology practice. How are the win-win relationship work? Is there a profit sharing model? Do you uh, come in, adapt all the infrastructure systems, set them up? We're helping them to build and practice in some way. How does that work for them? Absolutely. So one area that we're exploring, and we haven't figured out all the details, I'd be the first to say that, but it, our exploring is dermatology practices do have a list of a thousand patients or you know plus or minus that they just can't get in to see and can't put them on the schedule. And so those patients just may just not get care or they may go somewhere else. The real potential for us being able to remotely manage cases that they think are going to be lower value anyway, like specific conditions that are easier to both remotely manage and may not involve as many procedures as in-person care. And then they can make sure to see the patients who could have you know, a melanoma or, you know, need full body scanning or other more likely to involve procedures. And then um, it's a real win-win because they're not abandoning all those patients just based on who called in at the right, at the specific time when, when a patient canceled, but really to be able to optimize both remote care and in-person care. So it's a sort of a win for patients and getting access, a win for like everyone's finances, a lot of different wins all around. Um, but the logistics of all how, how to figure out scheduling and we're still working through all those details. Yeah, it, everything is work, working progress, right? As you're interviewing with patients and then uh, I even sit on some of the boards that um, taking that personal touch to say, if I'm going to call the patient, like one of our patient concierge, What's that type of interaction responses uh, when certain people don't have the clinical knowledge and just to work through that? And as the conversation goes on, people's uh, objections or agreeableness start showing, then it changes and shifts and modify into the best practices that you can have. And um, correct me if I'm wrong. So the way that you guys are doing is uh, you are saying you have a team your own nurse practitioner and dermatologist um, to partner up with these uh, local practices. And when they are so backed up, now you have external virtual care with the additional staffing that uh, can take care of their pending patient. And when they can quickly evaluate 
these concerns, then the ones that actually need to be seen in person for any procedure can get referred back to that doctor. Is that correct? Exactly. Right now, dermatologists don't really have a way to effectively filter of like, this patient's going to really need this level of care. This patient's going to really need this level of care. So a lot of what determines the schedule is just who called first or, you know, who called August 14th versus August 18th. And so uh, our model actually allows for smart triage and smart routing to where if someone does need in-person care, we can make sure they get in quickly with these partners. Um, and then if they can sort of manage their cases remote care, both that's more often what a, what a patient's interested in. They don't love traveling, <laughs> you know, and taking time off of work if they don't need to. Um, and so it's a win for patients. It's a win for in-person clinics to help them manage their schedules and uh, optimize billing and other things better. And then it's a win for us, right? Because we can start to deliver great access to care, you know. Exactly. So it's really taking on the burden of while these people are never going to see someone until months later, now we can help them much faster. And you have the building pipeline to determine which route they wanted to go through. And so when they need to see someone in person or they prefer that, those options are there. And mm -hmm. um, if they rather have a, a much quicker without the hassle of fighting traffic or waiting <laughs> for a long time when we get to our office. And I, I mean, thinking about that, we all do that. Even as providers, you try to see as many patients as you can. However, there's charting time. There's like putting in those orders and putting in the prescription. And then in between, you're hoping, oh, someone else talked to that patient and triaged it for me. So I'm not going through the whole history just to get to the basics, right? And, and then for you, is the AI is taking care of that. So get down all that initial administrative just to figure out the basics out of the way, then we can actually focus on the target concern that they have. Well, of course, you would not be able to build uh, multiple practices, infrastructures on your own. So how did you formulate your team, both from like board advisors, the investors, down to the people who's doing the day-to-day -day work? Yeah, so we made sure to understand all the different areas of our business that are the most important and critical and then have have made sure we we've collected a team that is great at all those things it's interesting our dermatologist is surprisingly skilled at search engine marketing and seo who saw that coming but that's an important skill for our business and uh, we've built out a clinical advisory board of experts in like skin of color telemedicine and you know just in general, delivering care quickly. Um, we've also built out operations expertise. And so my co-founder and CTO, Pranav, has over 10 years of experience in cutting-edge software R&D. And we have a great machine learning expert and advisors at MIT and Google. And so we're just, we're very fortunate that we have a, a team that's really built for this and can scale quickly. And we're we're growing 100% month over month. So since we've launched, we've, we're still relatively early, right? We've launched our clinic just a few months ago, but we're excited to actually see patients 
you know, getting great care and then and and being able to double month over month is a real privilege. We hope to keep that speed up for as long as possible. Yeah, that's the exciting phase now, right? Like got all the models down, clinics are opening up, people are coming to you and now it's just grown, right? Share the message as much as possible, really give people the option and not just for many other people who are still looking for the solution actually the solution do exist and is having those right people on your board, creating additional relationship with the right circle that can become your champion. And then just massively pushing and get things out and uh, figure out the best pathway um, for all these domains that you have, which is amazing. And then it's so exciting to see that. So how do you up-level from here? I know everyone especially entrepreneurs, we are always thinking about growth, but where, where is the focus right now for you uh, as you're up-leveling? Yeah, the number one thing for us is getting health insurance coverage as quickly as possible in the states that we're open in, um, because then that'll unlock the door for many more patients, PCP referrals, health insurance portal referrals, lots of different avenues for growth. Um, but then really it's show, right, showing that uh, we're we're making an impact and and are reducing costs and improving outcomes um, because that'll allow us to sort of grow beyond our four states that we're open in and nationwide and then hopefully beyond that. So yeah, we're we're very excited about growth and uh, you know making sure patients get great care. Perfect. And as we wrap up, I would love you to help us identify um, for your peers. That's are listening who are also healthcare innovators or for uh, practice owners out there growing their own practice. All uh, things that we want is about consistently growing. And Mm -hmm. what do you feel like are one or two major factors that helped you guys to be on that trajectory and keep doubling from month to month? So we were able to uh, launch our clinic very quickly because one, we have a lot of fellow founder friends who are in virtual first care. And two is that we've raised and have strategic angels who have already scaled telehealth companies or been, you know, or are dermatologists or PCPs. And so I'd say sort of strategic investment from the right people and um, being friends with other peers who have already sort of done it maybe a month ago, maybe a year ago, maybe two years ago have uh, been huge catalysts. Love it. It's all about the right connections and to get to the people who already done it. And mm-hmm. w- that's how we shorten up the speed of growth. And sometimes mm-hmm. it does take multiple conversations to find those people. But when <laughs> we're very clear on our intention, our mission, and as I do in every single think tank that we run, is that close with my your specific ask. Because if, if we don't, deliver the ads, people is going to be, that's a good idea, but I have no idea how to help you. Then attached to that ads is how can you also create one for that person? Because it's from advisors or even investors, it's not just about, hey, tell me what to do. I'm not going to run for it. But how can we create partnership? for all of us to win this game together. And then you definitely have tapped into a lot of those three people who has 
different zone of genius and collectively to move forward. Yeah, we don't want to reinvent any wheels. We want to really nail it in the area we differentiate in. But otherwise, RCM, e-prescribe, all these other things, like it's already known. We can already work with other people who are amazing at it, right? We just want to, you know, grow as, as fast as possible and work with the right uh, other teams. Perfect. And I so appreciate you giving us your time to chat. Um, how can people find more about your resources for providers who might want to refer patients to you versus uh, if any individuals who might be seeking dermatology care to find you guys? Absolutely. Just visit uh, PictionHealth.com. That's beginning with a P as in Paul, like the word Pictionary, um, PictionHealth.com on your phone. And then we'll either, whether you're a patient or wanting to refer a case, we can help you from there. Perfect. Everyone will have that information in the show now. Uh, we appreciate you guys showing up, being the innovators and leaders that you are. And truly creating positive changes in healthcare space. So until next time. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into Providers Edge podcast. We hope you enjoy our latest episode and found the insights and tips helpful. We'd love to hear your feedback on the show and learn what topics you'd like us to cover in the future. So please take a moment to leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform and let us know what you think. Your feedback is essential to help us improve the show and provide you with the content you need to take your healthcare business to the next level. Thank you for your support and we look forward to hearing from you soon.